Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let me have your attention, if you will. You remember... um, in school, in elementary school, you remember the teacher would pass a piece of paper around with a drawing on it and ask the question, what's wrong with this picture? You, remember, you guys remember that? You guys, okay. Maybe y'all didn't hear me. <laughs> remember that? Okay. And some of y'all didn't raise your, did y'all go to school? <laughs> some, some of y'all didn't go, did you not even, didn't go to school. Okay. All right. Well, in school that most of us went to, um, (laughs) the teacher would pass around a piece of paper and the teacher would, uh, on the paper, the teacher would say, you know, what's wrong with this picture? And you would look at the picture and then you would pick out the item that didn't fit, something ridiculous or absurd. For example, a barnyard scene with a piano near the water trough, a classroom with a private seat, with a pirate seated on the back row. An astronaut on the moon with a payphone in the background. You'd have to choose something that didn't fit. Pianos don't go in barnyards. Y'all say amen. Pirates don't sit in classrooms. And payphones aren't found on the moon. Well, if you've been with us, you know in chapter 4, we've already seen several things that didn't fit a Jewish rabbi talking to a Samaritan woman at a well, a Jewish man sitting by a well at the hottest time of the day, Jewish men sitting at a well in Samaria, Jews avoided Samaritans like the plague, a rabbi talking to a woman in public. Jewish men definitely didn't talk to shady Samaritan women with a pass. Of course you know, or do you know, Jesus is no ordinary man. Jesus is the Word made flesh. This Jesus is the Son of God, the God-man. This Jesus, his whole mission in life is to seek and to save those that are lost. We just sang it, didn't we? The lost are found, the blind will see, the lame will walk, the deaf will live, the dead will live, and, and you, you are God wherever you will reign. Yeah, that's it. Y'all know it. This Jesus doesn't see color. Say amen. Amen. This Jesus doesn't see race. Say amen. Amen. Class or caste, gender, social, economic status. This Jesus simply sees souls lost or found, saved or unsaved, redeemed or in bondage. If you've been with us, you know that Jesus had to go through Samaria because he had a divine appointment to keep with a lost soul, a woman at a well. In the heat of the day, Jesus takes a seat on the well. A woman comes to draw water as it was her daily duty. 
John 4, 7, Jesus, John chapter 4, look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. Jesus said to the woman at the well, what do he say, saints? Okay, I want everybody to look at verse 7. All right, Jesus said to the woman at the well, what did he say? Give me a drink. Verse 9, she said, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritan? And she is shocked. Why? Because she's a woman, she's a Samaritan, and she's a sinner. I want you to look at verse 10. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you what? Living water. And then the story, were you with me last week? Then the story takes a stunning twist. As Jesus said to the woman, go call your husband. I told you Jesus is aggressive, didn't I? And surgical and relentless and compassionate as he moves to the most sensitive area in this woman's life. She said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five. And the man that you're currently living with is not your husband. This unnamed woman begins to go back and forth with Jesus on where and how to worship, remember? And in verse 20, chapter 4, look at it. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where people should worship. Jesus turns her attention from where to how. Verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in what, saints? Spirit and truth. Jesus explained to her, it's not where you worship, but how you worship in spirit and in truth, because this is what the Father is looking for. If you weren't here with us last week, I want to encourage you to stop by the bookstore Probably by now you'll have to order a copy of the CD. I think it was very um, important for our church life and uh, poignant uh, teaching in John chapter 4 in the earlier part. So stop by the bookstore if you're interested to pick up the previous text here. So this woman is shocked and immediately she realizes that this man that she's talking to is like no other man. Today, we conclude our story of the woman in Samaria. Got a pen? I've titled this sermon, A Woman's Witness. A Woman's Witness. John chapter 4, saints, we pick up in verse 27. Let's read uh, right down to verse 42, and then we'll come back and uh, have some comments, all right? John chapter 4, in verse 27. If you're looking at verse 27, I need you to say a hearty amen. amen. And at this point... His disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot. Underline that. She left her water pot and she went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see. Said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and they came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone bought him anything to eat? They don't get it. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do, do not say, or do you not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, 
Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Are you with me? For in this the saying is true. One sows and another does what? Reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans in verse 39 of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. And so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there 48 hours. And many more believed because of his own word. And then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Saints, stop right there. I want you to say amen. 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 The woman walks. Let me have your attention. She walks right up to the ledge of this conversation about living water earlier in the chapter. Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water will never, ever thirst again. She's talking about worship. Jesus said, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Verse 25 in chapter 4, go ahead and look at it. She says, Messiah is coming who's going to tell us all things. And listen, what I wouldn't give to have a DVD of this scene is Jesus. Look at me. It's Jesus. Probably, and we covered this last week, but I wanted to talk about a few more things. Jesus looks at, probably looks at this woman. Jesus sitting on one side of the well. Get the scene. Jesus sitting on one side of the well. The woman sitting on the other side of the well. They're having this conversation about living water, Jacob's well. And Jesus is pointing to the water down in the well, saying, whoever drinks of this water again, this natural water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give will never thirst again. And they're having this conversation. And she starts talking about worship. And then she starts talking about the Messiah who's going to come and tell us all things. And I'm confident if I had a DVD, I could probably prove it. Jesus, in my sanctified imagination, Jesus probably looks over at the woman and looks, bends over and looks her right in her eyes. And he says, ma'am, I who speak to you am he. Verse 26. I who speak just right in her eyes. Can you imagine looking at the savior of the world right in his eyes? That's different. I'm an eye person. I really am an eye person. If you can't look me in my eyes, something wrong with you. Okay. If you can't look me in my eyes, you're crazy. Can't look me in my eyes, you're hiding something. I'm from the old school. Somebody say amen. You know, people be, oh, how you doing? If you can't look me in my eyes, something wrong. I'm going to find out. I don't know how, but I am. Jesus, can you imagine looking in the eyes of Jesus? I who speak to you am he. This is very unusual. You've got to understand something here. It's very unusual for Jesus to plainly say that I'm the Messiah. In previous conversations, Jesus would let a debate go on about who he was. Jesus would ask, who do men say that I am? And some, they would say, some say John, some say Elijah, one of the prophets. And Jesus would allow many debates about who he was. But here, he tells this woman clearly and plainly, 
Verse 26, I am the Messiah. Why? Because I have been telling you for weeks now that Jesus really wants this woman in heaven. Say amen. And Jesus really wants this sinful Samaritan woman, Samaritan woman to know that Jesus loves her despite her public past or secret present. I who speak to you am he, the Messiah. Jesus is saying, I'm the living water. I'm that prophet who knows everything about you and I still want you. I'm that prophet who's going to tell you all things. I'm the savior who has come into the world and died for sinners to make true worship possible. You ask about the coming of the Messiah. I who speak to you am he. Trust me. Look at verse 27. The disciples came back from getting some food, and they are stunned, shocked, marvel, chagrined that Jesus is talking with a woman. Now, remember, men didn't talk to women in public in those days. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. And for sure, rabbis didn't talk to women publicly. Understand, this wasn't out of misogyny or hatred for women or distrust or disrespect or dislike of women. It was just cultural. In Jesus' day, it was just cultural. This whole idea as it relates to women, the treatment of women, you got to understand something. The treatment of women this way was pre-gospel. This is important. Was pre-gospel. It drives me crazy when people say the Bible is sexist. The women's libbers say the Bible puts women in bondage. They say that Paul was a crusty old bachelor who was anti-woman and chauvinistic. The women's libbers say that God in the Bible favors men over women. Listen, nothing could be further from the truth. Can somebody say amen? Clap your hands or do something. (laughs) Nothing could be further from the truth. Actually, listen, it's completely the opposite. The Bible exalts women against cultures that distort and degrade and debase women. Wherever the gospel has spread, the social, legal, and spiritual status of a woman has been elevated. Check your history. I'm going to say that again in case you were asleep. Wherever the gospel has spread, the social, legal, spiritual status of women has been elevated. On the contrary, where the gospel is hidden, whether by repression or false religion, secularism, humanistic philosophy, the status of women has declined. Jesus Christ and the gospel has been the great liberator of women. Am I right about it? Has been the great liberator of women. One of the early church fathers, his name is Tertullian. And he wrote a paper, listen, he wrote a paper and he titled it On the Apparel of Women around the end of the second century. And he said, pagan women who wore elaborate hair ornaments immodest clothing and body decorations have been forced by society and fashion to abandon the superior splendor of true femininity. He said, in contrast, the church had grown and the gospel bore fruit. And one of the visible results was the rise of a trend toward modesty in women's dress and a corresponding elevation of the status of women. Where the gospel spread, Christian women were spiritually wealthier more pure, and thus more glorious than the most extravagant women in pagan society, clothed with the silk of uprightness. Don't you love that? 
the silk of uprightness, the fine linen of holiness, the purple of modesty, they elevated feminine virtue to an unprecedented height. Tertullian, 200 AD. Jesus treated women with dignity. Jesus treated women with respect. Somebody need to be saying amen right there. Jesus treated women with dignity and respect. His mother, Mary Magdalene, the woman, don't you remember, the woman bent over for 18 years? Luke chapter 13 tells us this woman had an infirmity for 18 years and she was bent over. And the Bible says Jesus saw this woman and touched her and she stood up. I think of women, the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. This woman was sick, sad, hurting, lonely, rejected with no hope. She was physically, emotionally, financially stressed and depressed for 12 years. This woman heard that Jesus was eating with sinners and she thought, this is my chance. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, you know it, I'll be healed. And she touched Jesus and something left him and went into her. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Jesus was never concerned with what was socially expected or accepted. Jesus doesn't care about cultural norms. Jesus cares about compassion. Whether it's a woman, a prostitute, a tax collector, a widow, someone hurting, hopeless, helpless, or a divorced woman five times. Look at verse 27. Thank you, brother. Look at verse 27. I know it's right. Look at verse 27. The disciples see Jesus. You looking at verse 27? If you're looking at it, say I'm looking at it. Jesus, the disciples see Jesus talking to this woman, and they were shocked. But nobody said anything. In verse 28, the woman then leaves her water pot. Why? Well, there are several speculations and several reasons, possible reasons why. Let me give you just a few. And again, these are all speculations as why. It's possible the woman left her water pot because she needed, because she didn't need it anymore. Isn't that profound? That's just deep and profound. I thought of that for a week. She didn't need it anymore, so she left it. Jesus said, I'm going to give you water, and you'll never thirst again. It's possible she forgot it. When she left, she had one thing on her mind, Christ. It's possible she was in a hurry to get to her hometown and tell people and invite them to come to know him as well. It's possible that she thought Jesus needed it. It's possible she thought she would be back. She felt her water pot was in safe hands. Jesus wasn't going to run off with it. Amen. He made it in the first place. Why would he run off with it? Things that make you go, hmm. Interesting. She left something that was very important to her. She left her water pot, but she took her fountain that was springing up to everlasting life with her. This woman leaves her water pot and she went into the city and she said to the men, are you looking at verse 29? She said to the men, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now listen, this little scene is very telling here. Note, she went to the men of the city. She went to the men of the city. She did not go to the women of the city. Why? Because the women didn't like her. She went to the men because she probably knew all the guys. Amen. She probably knew all the guys. She told them, come and see a man who told me all things I ever did. And I bet here I go again with my sanctified imagination. I bet 
Some of these men started sweating immediately. Um, you mean you met a man who told you everything you ever did? You mean everything you ever did? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he mention my name? She said, is not this man the Christ? Now, I told you, Jesus is gently leading this woman through a process that is intended to bring her to a saving knowledge of the Messiah. Remember I told you that? And I told you it was a process. He's leading her. He's bringing her. If you read the story, you get this. He's bringing her along. He didn't just kind of hit her over the head with the word and say, you know, I'm the Messiah and you better get saved or you're going to hell. He's leading her along. Look at verse 9. You being a Jew, look at verse 12. Are you greater than Jacob? Look at verse 19. Sir, I believe you are a prophet. Verse 29. Could this be the Messiah? Literally, is not this the Messiah? Jesus graciously, lovingly, gently, without judging, moved this woman along. She finally gets to, is this not the Messiah? This is real witnessing. Can I tell you something? If you want to learn, look at me. If you want to learn about witnessing, learn from Jesus. Jesus is the master witness person. Amen. There's a new word for you, witness person. I remember when I first got saved, January, y'all know, January 23rd, 1982. And uh, I got saved, and, and for me, when I got saved and gave my life to Christ, this is what I mean when I got saved, I gave my life to Christ. I, uh, you know, the pastor talked about, I remember that night he talked about sharing your faith and telling people about Jesus and, and all of these kind of things. And, um, and for me, um, my uh, conversion was radical. I had been doing drugs since I was nine years old. Uh, my father, as many of you know, was a, was a drug dealer in Philadelphia. And uh, so I grew up around drugs and had been doing drugs since I was nine. So I got saved when I was 21. So all of those years, all the way through junior high and high school, I had been, you know, doing drugs and so on and so forth. And I, I had been through drug programs. You know, I got busted on the base. You know, they caught me doing drugs one time and they sent me to drug rehab. I've been to uh, uh, N.A., and uh, AA and AAA and, uh, I, and, and all the other A's. And I was in some other letters, I know. And uh, so I had done it all. And then Jesus saved me and, and, and he set me free. Just, just like that, gone. Somebody could clap your hands, be happy for me, could you? Just gone, just gone. I mean, I mean I'm telling you, gone, gone. I woke up the next day, I was completely different. And not in bondage to anything. And that felt good. I felt new. And I saw the blue sky and it was blue. I saw the green grass and it was green. When you high all the time, you don't see blue sky, nothing. You don't see green, nothing. Everything's got a cloud over it. Everything is hazy. But when Jesus sets you free, he just kind of peels the, the, the film that's been over your eyes. Somebody know what I'm talking about. He just peels that film right from off your eye and you see it. I can see clearly now. There wasn't no rain. Just a something. So it was so radical for me and so awesome that I felt that I had to tell everybody 
that I ever meet. I, I remember telling the Lord, I've just, this is the best thing ever. I got to tell everybody. I just have to tell people. And it's going to be my mission in life to tell everyone on the planet. And so I'm thinking I've got 5 billion people to go, so I better get started. And uh, so I remember on Friday nights, I used to get dressed up. And uh, I'm no kidding. I used to get dressed up on Friday night like I'm dressed up right now. And uh, I, I mean, tie and everything, I, you know, everything. And because I didn't want to go, I was go street witnessing and I'd go stand out on the corner and I wanted to look nice because I didn't want people to think I was a weirdo. So, uh, you know, I would stand there and, uh, and I didn't want people to think I was a weirdo a little bit late for that. And because uh, so, I'd stand on the corner and I, I didn't know anything about anything. All I knew is I wanted to tell people about Jesus. That's all I knew. Nobody told me anything. Nobody told me nothing. So I just did it the way I thought. I went out on the corner. I'm standing there and I'm reading the Bible. I got this big old Bible in my hand. And I'm all dressed up and I'm yelling. I'm screaming. I'm reading the scriptures. I'm like one of those guys you see that you go on the other side of the street. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.